Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We're glad that you're here today and welcome you in the name of the Lord. And uh, it's good to share this time of fellowship, this time of worship with everyone as we have gathered in God's name. We welcome our guests especially. Uh, You're very important to us. We're glad that you're here. We really are. And I hope that you'll feel very much a part of who we are as, as the family of God today. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets uh, on each row. We'd like to ask if you wouldn't mind to take those and fill them out so we could have a record of your attendance with us this morning. If you could could do that, we would certainly uh, appreciate that. We have a number of things going on. Uh, A lot of things, I think we're catching up from our summer lull, uh, but we have a lot of things coming up. Uh, First of all, we will be begin uh, choir practice again. They've kind of taken a little time off, and choir practice will begin again on Wednesday night at at 7.20, right after our Bible study on Wednesday night. And so this is a great opportunity, folks. I know, I I can just see, see it in your eyes that you love to sing. And so it's a good opportunity to come and join the choir. Uh... Please, please come and be a part of that choir practice on Wednesday night. Uh, next, win, uh, next Sunday, we will be having our Fellowship Cafe our, on the second Sunday of every month. We have a breakfast here at the church at 9 o'clock. And uh, this Sunday, it will be provided by the uh, young adult class. And so we'll look forward to that next week as well. Our CBC Hoops and Cheers, our basketball and cheerleading program, is up and running or about to be up and running. Uh, we, we will be having registration in just a few weeks, just a couple of weeks, I guess. Uh, we'll be sending out the registration forms in the schools, not this week, but the following week. And then the week after that, we'll be having um, evaluations and registrations for those. So we need your help. It's uh, right around the corner, and we could use a lot of help for volunteers for a lot of different things, especially coaches. If, and if you wouldn't mind be a, be a part of that, we would love for you. Uh, to help us with that uh, important ministry. Um, uh, Mike, where's, where's Mike? Mike, there he is. Mike, uh, uh, I think he has some things to say about our upcoming um, fundraiser at Sureway. That's coming up as well, folks. Good morning. And greetings from the missions and, and ministry team. It's that time of year again, and uh, for our Sherway fundraiser to support the uh, missions and ministry uh, of our church. And I want to thank you for all your support in the past. Every year, it's been a success, and uh, the thanks goes to to you all who uh, buy tickets and, and who sell tickets. Uh, this year, the dates are uh, September the 16th. And the 17th, and of course the money raised uh, is will be used to fund the various and many ministries uh, of our church here, uh, such as recently uh, we, we made sizable contribution uh, to the uh, Feed the Starving Children program and the Peace and Justice Coalition. That's just a few of the many things that... Uh, that, that we support, and, uh, and and you know a lot of the other ones that, that, that we do. Uh, tickets are ready, and I've got some. So if you want to see me after church, uh, they're bundled up in packages of 10. So uh, if, if you want to take a package and, and try to sell them, uh, be very appreciative of that. Or, or if you uh, some of you may want more than that, uh, friends, neighbors, or places uh, where you work, if you can sell tickets, uh, be greatly appreciated. Uh, the pre-sales are pretty much the, the backbone of our uh, of our fundraiser. So if uh, if we can get a lot of pre-sales, so we know uh, how many we need to cook, and uh, we, we can be prepared, it would be great to to get all uh, sold ahead of time that we can. So again, I, I thank you. Uh, you can see me after church or get tickets from the office. So uh, we look forward to uh, another another good year uh, for our, for our fundraiser. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mike. Uh, this is uh, the primary fundraiser that we have, or one of the primary fundraisers that we have for our mission 
uh, activities here at Community Baptist Church. So uh, we would appreciate your uh, helping us out with that. And if you'd like to volunteer for to help during that weekend, uh, please see Mike as well, and we'll we'll put you on the list there. One other thing before we uh, move on with our worship service. Um, I'd like to uh, bring you up to date with our Unleashed Debt Reduction Campaign. I'd, I, we do a little special, uh, uh, draw your attention to that uh, once a month to let you know where we stand. And I'm very happy to say that it is working, folks. It is really working. To date, uh, an additional $58,135.25 has been applied to the principal of our, our mortgage loan. So that, that's, that's just during this year. And that, along with our regular monthly payments, our balance has been reduced by more than $75,000 this year. So that is tremendous. I, w- I was working on a, uh, a letter uh, late this week, and you'll probably get it next week sometime. I'm not sure exactly when we'll send it out, but I'll give you just a little preview. I looked back a little bit, a little bit in the the finances of the church, and it was about 10 months ago, actually it was exactly 10 months ago, at one of our finance committee meetings here at the church, your pastor did danced a little jig. And the reason I danced a little jig was because for the first time ever, our mortgage balance was under $600,000. And I'm happy to say that in probably just a few short months I'm going to be dancing again because <laughs> we're going to hit another milestone. So we look forward to that, and I want to thank you so much for your dedicated support uh, to make this happen. It is working, folks, so thank you for, for your part to make this a reality. Let's stand and let's greet each other in the name of the Lord and share the love of Christ with one another for a moment.
now we will do our responsive reading. God, hear our confessions for our running away from your love to avoid the tug of your call. Forgive us, God. For preferring the safe, familiar, and certain to the risky, unknown, and mysterious. Forgive us, God. For failing to believe in the vulnerability of power and the power of vulnerability. Forgive us, God. For taking no delight in variety and insisting on sameness and conformity. Forgive us, God. For fearing those who are different from ourselves and projecting onto them what we cannot accept in ourselves. Forgive us, God. For not noticing your presence in the people we meet and the experiences that we have. Forgive us, God. Set us free, we pray, so that we may live our lives graciously and without fear. Amen.
So my question is, have y'all ever made a mistake? Yeah, me too. You know, I make mistakes almost from the time I get up in the morning. You know, I make mistakes. Here's the day I make mistakes. And then I, you know, I get tired and I say something cranky and I make more mistakes and and this is what happens to my day. And then I go to work and somebody says something to me and I go, mm, and I make more mistakes. Because y'all are laughing because you never do that, right? You never go, mm. It happened to you this morning? See, I would never have guessed that about you. So I have just kind of messed up everything because... I keep making mistakes. You know, this is this is me, and this is, you know, kind of, oh, man, I make mistakes. And then I go to, and then I go to, a, like, I have meetings here at the church, and, and, I, and I have a meeting with Nora. You know Nora back there? And, and Nora, Nora makes this suggestion, and I go, And then she'll say, well, how about we do it a a different way than you suggested? (laughs) Well, Nora, don't you know that my way's perfect? (laughs) Well, then I realize that this is, I look up and now here's my relationship with Nora. And it's got all this ick on it because I've just been cranky and ugly and hard to live with and you know and so I finally go to Nora and I say Nora I have been cranky and ugly and you're right your idea is better than mine (laughs) whether I want to confess it or not your idea is better than mine and I'm sorry that I have been cranky and ugly and because Nora is who Nora is she will say to me, it's okay. It's okay. Um, and all of that goes away. And Nora and I get to start again. And I'm going to try my best to not do that. But you know what? If I do that again with Nora and I go back to Nora and I say, Nora, I have messed up again. Nora is the kind of woman and the kind of Christian who will say, it's okay, let's try again. And we get to try again. That's how God is. God started this whole thing. When I get up in the morning and I'm cranky and I can't do anything right and I'm just out of sorts and I make mistakes and I think, say things that I shouldn't and I do things that I know better and I say to God, God, I have messed up again. And God says, child, Mary, I love you, child, and we're going to start again. And God erases all of that. God forgives me and erases all of that and says, we're going to start again. And I'm going to try the next day to not do what I did the first day. I'm going to try not to be so cranky. I'm going to try to hold my tongue and not say things I shouldn't. I'm going to get better sleep so I'm not tired. Um, So that when I mess up, maybe it's different mistakes. (laughs) And not revisit the same ones. But every time I mess up and I go to God and say, God, I have messed up again. Every single time God says, Child, Mary, can't you remember that I love you? And we're going to we're going to start again. And in forgiving me. God erases it, and we start again. God loves us that much.
Thank you, God, for forgiving me and giving me a new slate every time I ask. Let's pray together. God, we make mistakes. And you are faithful that when we ask, you forgive us. And you wipe it clean and you give us a new slate to start again. God, I am grateful for those people in my life who will accept my apology and forgive me and wipe this plate again so that we can begin again. Thank you for the power of forgiveness. Amen. take one quick quick second to um, say thank you from Christian Outreach. Sometimes I put it in the bulletin, but please know we are grateful for every single thing this church does for Christian Outreach. Every time you drop soap in there, toothpaste, anything we drop in there, you have helped through June, you have helped fill food boxes for 2,366 Henderson County families. And remember, we're only open eight hours a week. You have helped provide utility assistance for 161 families. 
you have helped provide rent for 131 families. That's over $30,000 right there in those two things. You've helped provide medicine for 30 clients. You've helped provide emergency gas for 36 clients. We are grateful for everything CBC plus the 30 other churches do for us. One more note, uh, the United Way, we are one of 19 United Way agencies. The first three years I was there, we received $25,000 a year from United Way. Last year, they bumped us up to $40,000 a year. And we just found out July 1st, they bumped us up to over $54,000 a year. So there is a need, and we thank you for everything you do for Christian Outreach. And if we could move the chairs today, we'll be feeding 317 senior citizens on Tuesday. So <laughs> let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we join our church family to worship you and thank you for giving us life. We thank you for feeding our spirits every day we are with you on this earth. Please accept our tithes and offerings to continue feeding the hungry, housing the homeless, and feeding the spirit of others. Amen. Today's scripture reading is from uh, Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. 
One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city, who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now, which, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one whom canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. But the one whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this whom even forgiveness sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus, 
Thank you, Tim. What a beautiful song. Just give me Jesus. Years ago, there was a um, <clears throat> religious talk show hostess that was, uh, who was interviewing a new Christian. And this new Christian had come from the wrong side of the tracks, as they say, economically and socially and morally and spiritually. Uh, and as this new Christian gave his testimony... This man, who had seen it all and done it all, continually thanked God for the change that God had made in his life. I can't express the gratitude I feel that God has changed my life, he said. Well, the talk show hostess knew exactly what he was talking about because she, too, had walked on life on life's wild side before coming to Jesus. And she said, I know exactly what you mean. Every day that I live, I thank God for changing my life. And then she added a very profound statement. She said, you know what I've noticed, though? She said, people who have always been in church and always done the right thing, always been prim and proper, they don't know how to give thanks to God. In fact, I've noticed that they are more prone, prone to complain Because God hasn't done even more for them. If you can relate to that judgment, you will probably appreciate the story of a sinful woman who came to Jesus as he dined in the house of Simon, the Pharisee. It was the custom in those days that when a rabbi came to a person's house for dinner, all kinds of people would come into the house. It was kind of an open invitation And they were quite free to do so, so that they could come and listen to the teaching of the rabbi. It was expected that they would have uninvited guests in their home, and so much so that the host would usually put cushions around the edge of the room where where the meal was being served, so that the uninvited visitors would have a place to sit and to watch and to listen. And so with this when this woman heard that Jesus was coming to town and coming to eat dinner at Simon's house, she made her way there carrying an alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Another important fact uh, that you need to know is that when they had a meal back in those days, the guests did not sit in chairs like we do today. Rather, they, in, they reclined around a short table, and they would rest on their left elbow, leaving their right arm to, free to, to eat their meal with, and their feet were stretched out behind them. So they're kind of lying there eating their, their meal. doesn't sound very comfortable to me, but I guess it's whatever you're, you're raised with, you know. They also took their, can, their sandals off as soon as they came into the house, and so... They would, not be have, they would not have any shoes on while they were having this meal. And so this woman 
positioned herself at Jesus' feet, standing right behind him, and she started to weep. And then she was kneeling, and her tears were falling on Jesus' feet. And apparently her tears were so great that she, she tenderly let her hair down and used her long hair to wipe the tears off of his feet. And then she kissed his feet and anointed them with the perfume that she had brought. Well, the Pharisee was scandalized by this behavior. For one thing, only the the loosest of women would dare to take their hair down in public. To do so was a terrible breach of propriety. And to put up with such a public display of emotion and, and affection as Jesus was doing, this was a disgrace. Simon couldn't believe that Jesus was putting up with all of this. And so Simon said to himself, if this man was truly a prophet, he would know what kind of woman this is and what sort of reputation she has. She is a sinner of the worst sort. Well, we are obviously dealing with a woman who was terribly burdened with guilt and regret. And it would be very easy for us, like Simon, to stand in judgment over this woman because she was a sinner. But let me ask you something. Do good people ever make bad mistakes? Mary? And even more relevant... Can you imagine a situation where a good person might be forced by desperate circumstances into a lifestyle that he or she despises? I'm thinking about victims of human trafficking. I'm thinking about people who are victims of grinding poverty who will do almost anything to feed their families. I'm thinking about victims of sexual abuse. We don't know what brought this woman to this place in her life, but what we do know is that she felt tremendous guilt and regret. And she wanted to be made clean. Well, Simon the Pharisee wasn't willing to cut her much slack. He wasn't willing willing to cut Jesus much slack either. If this... If this man were were a prophet, he said he would have known what kind of woman this is, who this is, what sort of woman it is touching him, for she's a sinner. And Jesus could tell what Simon was thinking, so he said to him, Simon, I've got something to say to you. And Simon said, what is it? And that's when Jesus told a parable. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he forgave both of these debts. Now which of them will love him the more? And Simon answered, the one I suppose to whom he forgave more. And Jesus said, you're right. And then Jesus turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? He said, I came into your house and you didn't even give me any water so I can wash my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. And he said, you gave me no kiss of greeting when I came into your house. But from the time I came in, she has not quit kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil as is customary for a guest, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But those who are forgiven little, love little. And of course, that last little bit was pointed directly at Simon. Now, I'm going to say something that you, may, that you may find a little shocking. But here it is. Many of us cannot truly say that we love God. 
Many of us cannot truly say that we love God. I hope that that doesn't jar you too much, but let's think about it for a moment. We can say that we believe in God, and we can say that we reverence God, and perhaps some of us can even say that we fear God. But if we were really honest, many of us would have to say that we don't really love God. The great commandment tells us that we should love God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. But can you truly say that you love God with all of your heart? Can you really? Some of us can't. Some people can't. And, and the problem is that we, we have never really experienced the realization of what it means, what it truly means, when God says to us, you are forgiven. We, we've never experienced what that really means in our lives. Theologian Karl Barth, one of the giants of the 20th century, understood that. He declared that we live solely by forgiveness. And basically, he was echoing the message of the Apostle Paul. You see, Paul struggled tremendously with this, this idea. Trying, he tried all of his life to obey the Jewish law as, as strongly as he could, as, as closely as he could, because he felt that that was the path to salvation. He wanted to obey every little in and out of the Jewish law. He thought that would bring him salvation and acceptance by God. But instead of saving him, he came to the realization that it was the law that condemned him. I mean, who could be good enough to earn God's good favor? And his answer was no one. However, thank God, because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and because of the mercy and grace of God, we are forgiven. Forgiven. Can you grasp the full meaning of that word. Mark Twain once said that everyone is a moon and has a dark side, which he or she never shows to anyone else. He's probably right. But here's the good news. You see, God sees the dark side that no one else can see. And yet, because of what Christ has done upon the cross, He accepts us just as we are. All of our trespasses, all of our transgressions are completely drowned in the sea of God's grace. You know, some Christians pray, forgive us our trespasses, while others pray, forgive our debts, forgive us our debts, depending on what tradition you use there. But we are told that Henry Clay, the great statesman from another generation many, many, many years ago, once fell into a hopeless debt, loans amounting to $40,000, which was an, an enormous amount of money back in those days, were held by a bank in Lexington. And Clay was preparing to sell off everything that he owned in order to pay that debt. But then a stranger appeared at the bank asking how much Clay owed. And when he was told the amount, he produced the $40,000, thereby canceling Henry Clay's debt. Who shall I say has paid his debt? asked the banker. And the stranger said, just tell him it was paid by some friends. Well, according to one historian, when Clay learned that his debt had been paid... His strong heart melted, his frame shook, and the great Henry Clay, who never flinched before countless enemies, nor flinched in the face of any opposition, now wept like a child. His debts had been forgiven. Now, it may be that some of us are among those who have abused the availability of easy credit And maybe we're facing our own mountain of debt. And I wish I could tell you today that all of your financial debts have been canceled. You wish it too. I know. But I can't tell you that. 
But here's what I can say to you. By the power invested in me as a minister of Jesus Christ, all of your sins have been forgiven. Those debts have been paid. And Mary, that slate has been wiped clean. Which means that today is a brand new day. So what does that say? What does it mean to say that you're forgiven? Well, doesn't it mean, first of all, that we are free to make a new beginning? That's what wiping that slate does. It frees you up to make a new beginning. And isn't that the meaning of the word repentance? Repentance is not simply feeling sorry for your sin. We're, we're told that the word repent appears 46 times in the Old Testament. And 37 of those times, it's God doing the repenting. So... God couldn't be sorry for God's sin, so that's not what repentance is all about. Here's what it is. Repentance is a change of mind. It's a change of attitude, a change of direction. And here's the thing, folks. The knowledge that that slate has been wiped clean enables us to make a a whole new start, a new direction in our lives. Doris Donnelly said, forgiveness is an invitation to redeem failure. And you know what? She's right. Think about a husband who has hurt his wife deeply. She she has learned of his unfaithfulness. And with a heart filled with uh, regret, he, he begs for her forgiveness. And she does forgive him, truly forgives him, and affirms her faith in him. Do you think he would say to himself, there, I've been forgiven, so I can go do it again? I can go sin again? No, of course not. At least if he's any kind of man at all. Knowing the pain that he's brought to his family and being more aware than than ever of the, the faith that his wife has in him, surely he will seek to be a better man more loving and, and more faithful husband. And that's the way it is with our relationship with God. If you know that you are forgiven, really and truly forgiven, today can be a turning point in your life. And so the knowledge that we're forgiven frees us up to make a whole new start. But knowing that we are forgiven also allows us to forgive others, doesn't it? If you know yourself to be a sinner, made acceptable only by the grace of God, then how in the world can you possibly not forgive others for their sins? We've been forgiven. We've got to pass it on, right? George George Whitfield was one of the greatest evangelists who ever lived. He was a true man of God, but when he saw a condemned man going off to the gallows, he whispered those famous words, There but for the grace of God go I. George Whitfield knew, in Bart's words, that he lived solely by forgiveness. Now many of us, we don't want to forgive other people. And I'll have to admit, it's hard work to forgive. We'd rather nurture our grudges. But when Jesus says to us, you are forgiven, we should suddenly realize that we too can forgive. Someone has said that a person who knows himself to be a sinner avoids church like an overweight person avoids the scales. But if we could tell that sinner, you are forgiven then a barrier will be taken away. I once read about a very bitter man who was sick of his soul and mind and body. He was in the hospital in a terrible condition, not because his his body had been infected by a a virus or a germ, but because of the anger that he had in his his heart, the contempt and the self-pity of his soul. And then finally one day, when he was at the very lowest, he said to the nurse, why don't you just give me something to end it all? And much to the man's surprise, the nurse said, all right, I will. 
She went over to the nightstand and pulled out a Bible and began reading, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. And when she finished, she said, There, if you believe that, it will end it off. God loves you. God accepts you. God forgives you. You are a child of God. Now, such a simple answer would probably not work with everyone, but it worked with this man. He realized that what she said was true, and he accepted the love and grace of Jesus Christ and and learned that he could also love God because he knew that God first loved him. My friends, you are forgiven. Can you, can you give more than a simple intellectual assent to that proposition? I, I, you know, I, I know that we, we know that in our heads, but I want you to feel it. I want you to know it in your heart. Can we move beyond just knowing it here? Because it can be the essence of who you are. You are forgiven. It can make such a huge difference to accept that and know that and to live that in your life. It can be the essence of who you are. And this brings us to one more thing that experiencing forgiveness does for us. And it kind of circles around to what we began with. It allows us to love God. To know that we are forgiven allows us to love God. Can you feel the impact of God's forgiveness in your heart? When you experience God's forgiveness, it frees you not only to to make a new start in your life, just as this woman who anointed Jesus' feet with her tears made a new start. It allows you to love and to accept and to forgive others. But it also removes a very critical barrier between you and God. Because you see, you are now free to truly love God with all of your heart and soul and strength and mind. And because of what Christ has done for you and for me, we are forgiven. There's a a classic story about a famous conductor who was going through the final uh, rehearsal with his orchestra and choir of Handel's beautiful, inspiring Messiah. And when the soloist came in with the refrain, I know that my Redeemer liveth, she sang it with flawless technique, with perfect breathing and clear enunciation. And after she completed her part, everyone there looked at the conductor expecting a response of approval, but with a motion from his baton for silence, he walked over to the soloist and said, My daughter, You don't really know that your Redeemer lives, do you? Well, embarrassed, the soloist answered, Well, yeah, I think I do. And he said, Then sing it! Sing it! Tell it to me so that I will know that you have experienced the joy and the power of your Savior's life. Then he motioned for the orchestra to begin again and and she sang it with such a fervor that told of her faith in her risen Lord. And those who listened to her wept openly. And the old master with his baton, his eyes wet with tears, said to her, You do know, don't you? For this time you have told me. My friends, many of us have never truly felt the need for a Redeemer. And because of that, we don't really know the joy of being redeemed. But this woman who anointed Jesus' feet with her tears, she knew. She knew. And so she loved Jesus with a love that this righteous Pharisee could never know. And here's what I want you to do today. I want you, every one of us, 
Because I'm looking out here, folks. I see. I, I know who you are. <laughs> I know who you are. Most of you I know pretty well. And you know what I see in front of me? You're a bunch of sinners. <laughs> here too. Every one of us. Yeah, back there too. But here's what I want you to do today. I want you to take hold of that notion because we are sinners. And I want you to take hold of that notion, my friends, and never, ever, ever let go of it. For it is the key to a new and abundant life. A life filled with loving God and with loving others. You are forgiven. Amen. Let's sing. You know, we are forgiven and that's something to celebrate. Let's sing. And let's celebrate by singing a song that talks about forgiveness and the grace of God. Perfect song. Grace greater than our sin. Number 329. Let's stand. go from here living by the faith of Christ who gave himself for us. Let us leave with the knowledge that the grace that you offer to us is greater than all of our sins. Let us leave with his forgiveness and with the gift of forgiveness to all persons and the joy and peace of Christ will be with you now and forever. Amen.